What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I mean, we want to help people fix their own stuff, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And we want to help them do it in an efficient manner. So I was a service manager before at a commercial truck dealership. Uh, So I know how that world works really, really well. And there's just a lot of waste that goes on when a truck breaks down. I still didn't know, right? Like, man, I'm giving up 10 years with, with a company. That's that's hard to do. I love that company. And uh, end up end up quitting my job, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Wow. So I still say, man, getting kicked out of school is the best thing that happened to me. Getting fired was the best thing that happened to me. And giving an ultimatum at work ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. Turn my mic up. For you. Take this. Yeah, yeah, uh. On the road to the riches, life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. All right, all right, Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam. We are back with another amazing episode. And today, man, after this episode, you may never have to go to a uh, a, a diesel repair shop or a dealership to get your truck fixed again, man. This man, Tyler Robertson, is changing the game here with diesel laptops. I am here. I just took a tour of the facility, and I am nothing short of amazed. Tyler, it is good to be here with you, my friend. How are you, man? Man, I'm, I'm doing great. It's good to have you here, too, after seeing you on YouTube, listening to podcasts. So <laughs> yeah. it's great to have you out here and I'm a, spend some time I'm a with real you. person. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm a real yeah. guy, you know? <laughs> Uh, okay, so so we are in South Carolina, Irmo, South Carolina. Yeah, right outside Columbia. Ho- home of diesel laptops. And you guys are literally, uh, I would say you're revolutionizing uh, diagnostics uh, for, for, for truckers, for trucking companies, and just transparency and just making uh, the, the, the diesel repair industry like where you can do it yourself. Right, yeah. where you can re- literally do do it yourself. D- explain for me, because you could probably do it way better than I can. What you guys do here at Diesel Laptops? Yeah, I mean, we want to help people fix their own stuff, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to, and we want to help them do it in an efficient manner. So, I was a service manager before at a commercial truck dealership, uh, so I know how that world works really, really well. And there's just a lot of waste that goes on when a truck breaks down. So we basically help people be way more efficient. And we do that through, I guess, a couple of core pillars. One, diagnostic tools. So we have a whole suite of tools from $10,000 to free and everything in between. But you hand someone a tool, doesn't mean they can actually fix anything themselves, right? Like that tool will tell you what's wrong, let you run some tests. So we had to develop all of our own repair content so that when people have a tool that says this is what's wrong, we have another thing that tells you here's what it means and here's how to fix it. And we also had to build in training to that because we really found out in the diesel technician world, a lot of these people, there's no, there's no continuing education for diesel techs. So there's like a two-year tech school and then it's like, you're on your own to go figure out how these things work, which makes it really scary because things got really complicated really quick. So we train people on how to actually properly diagnose and fix something. And that's where a lot of the waste comes in the industry. And at the end of the day, we also have a call center. So no matter how much knowledge you need, it's like, who wants to be a millionaire? You need to call a friend. We got 50 of them in a call center upstairs. And we literally help people all day long just fix commercial trucks over the internet. Yeah. So it's empowering people to to do the things that they want to do. And that's really the right to repair. There's a lot of things going on with that right now in Congress and everywhere else. So yeah, it's democratizing commercial truck repair is what this really is about. For sure. And and you guys, we were talking earlier, earlier, you, you sold about 40,000 of these diesel laptops, right? So yeah, that's plus. Yeah. That's the, that's the and, big units. And that's, and that's the big units. And yeah. you guys offer also have a suite of other products that help as well. We'll get into all the different products, right? As we continue the podcast, but just really, really amazing business. I, I, I want to understand how you got here, right? So we're very big on origin story and just yeah. the entrepreneurial spirit here and how you built this company over the last eight years. Eight years, yeah. Eight years, right? Eight years. So, so tell us a little bit about your background, man. Just, you know, where were you, where were you born and how was it for you coming up? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, if people on the video portion here, there's a background here. So I grew up, like literally grew up in a gravel pit, just like the one here. This is one of the ones my dad owns. Uh, there was a second one. 
So I grew up in northern Minnesota in the uh, concrete gravel business. So I know how to drive a front end loader, an excavator, mixer truck before before anything. Um, then my story was I, I went to college. I, I got kicked out of college. So I'm a, I'm a college kicked out person, <laughs> okay. right? So okay. tried that. By the way, if you don't go to class, they kick you out of college. I learned that. I learned. I learned that lesson. <laughs> you learned really? that the hard way. Yeah, I learned that one the hard way. Got you. So then I go, you know, go home. What, what school did you get kicked out? Yeah, of? it was RIT. So RIT, I was there okay. for two years for computer engineering. Um, and let's just say it's also amazing how much trouble you can get behind a computer screen when you're at college with other computer guys. <laughs> like there's there's a big dark dark world out there. Got but, it. Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I had to I had to go back home. Had to go, uh, you know, my dad offered me a job, thankfully. I also owed him like, you know, 50 grand in student loan debt at the time. For so sure. I had to start, start paying that back. And uh, they are entrepreneurs. They own that ready mix operation and gravel pit operation. They decided to go start a uh, commercial truck dealership. So uh, my family knew nothing about a commercial truck dealership. And I know you've had some people on your podcast and on commercial truck dealerships. Yeah. I wish, I wish my, I wish those existed when my family bought one because. If there's a hundred ways to lose money owning a truck dealership, my family found 101. So <laughs> we uh, made a lot of mistakes there, a lot of lessons, a lot of expensive lessons, which I think is like entrepreneurship in general. Yeah. And uh, the the ideal solution was to go sell that company to somebody else. So I worked there for a lot of years. We sold that company to uh, to a bigger company. I was on them with for about a year, and then they promptly fired me. Mm. So. So now I'm not working for my dad. I'm fired. I was pissed off. Went to go work for one of the competitors in town. And I, I learned something about myself. I you said you weren't cut out to drive truck. I was not cut out to be a salesperson. So <laughs> I, I didn't I couldn't deal with the commissions, with the draws and like the stress every month. I was like, I just want to I want a paycheck. And I put my resume on the internet and a headhunter found me. And I didn't realize that commercial truck dealerships are looking for good talent. There's a real talent shortage on truck dealerships. And I had thankfully worked for my father's. So I knew parts, I knew sales, I knew uh, repair. I knew all these things. I got flown around the country with this, by this headhunter, got three job offers. Um, and my offers were uh, Billings, Montana, uh, New Jersey area, um, and here in South Carolina. So okay. I, took the one in, I took the one in South Carolina and told my wife at the time, like, hey, we're leaving everything we know and we're heading down to South Carolina from Minnesota. Right. So got down here and I, I tell people I got 10 years of paid training. I was a, I was a service manager at first, then I was a parts manager and then I did IT and marketing. So now my history is like, okay, I got some computer background. I've been in commercial truck dealerships now for 10, 15 years. And the opportunity kind of presented itself with these laptops. And, and what happened was when you're in service, people need to understand at a, at a commercial truck repair shop or an independent, we like long wait times. Like I know people bringing their trucks in don't want to hear that, but we love it because okay. we know for sure we're going to maximize revenue that day. A lot of technicians are flat rate. So every, everyone's getting paid. Like the technicians getting paid, the service writers are getting paid. Um, we're not having to worry about anything because when we don't make money is when we don't have any business. Right. So if we have a long backlog, like, Hey man, we're good next two or three weeks. This is cool. Right. So the problem I had is like, I, I'm a customer guy and I was running a truck shop, had 25, 30 technicians. We were booked out for weeks and it was really pissing off the customers because if you're a customer and you roll in, you're like, my check engine lights on, I need my truck worked. And we tell you like, we'll leave it there. We'll get to you in two weeks. Like, man, you run a business. Like you can't make a business decision. What do you do then? Do you like, do you rent a truck? Do you not rent a truck? Like, what do you, what do you do? And, uh, I was like, okay, why don't we just go out to the truck and hook the laptop up real quick and just see what it is and tell the guy before he leaves. Like, maybe it's not that big a deal. He can just come back in two weeks or he needs to leave it here. Like, at least he can make a decision on what to do here. Right. And, you know, you do that for a customer a couple of times. Well, inevitably they ask like, well, how do I buy that computer? <laughs> like, I don't want to come here. Like, let me buy right, it. Right, right, right. But we're a dealership. So we're like, well, no, you can't have it. Like, this is this is our computer. It's dealer only. Like, sorry, no, no bueno. And customers didn't like that. But I got promoted then to to the parts department. They wanted me to go run the parts department side. So this is a big parts department. Million dollars a month we were selling all this parts department. And uh, same building. I report to a completely different person. And the mentality on that side of the building was like, well, if you can make a margin and sell it, sell it. So I, uh, I have customers that are coming to the parts counter asking, like, I want to buy that software. So I'm like, well, we'll sell it. <laughs> no problem. Uh, and we'd sell the software, but now you just sold a piece of software to a 55, 60 year old shop owner. 
What does he know about installing software on a computer and hooking a data link up and getting registration codes? He, he, they don't know anything like this. Right. So now I'm selling this stuff and I'm playing tech support to these customers on their software and I'm supposed to be running a parts department. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. So I had the bright idea. I was like, man, you know what I'm going to do? Uh, I'm going to, uh, on my own, go buy a laptop and I'm going to buy the software and hardware from the company I work for. And I will part-time just put this package together. I'll make sure it works. And I'll just rebox it as a bundle ready to go out of the box. Mm. And we'll mark it up even more money and we'll sell it. Right. So I pitched that to my boss. He's like, sure, go ahead. So my first customer was actually my employer that I worked for at the time. Okay. So it was a, a little weird situation there. But all of a sudden they had their customers buying these laptop kits and... I ran into another problem and the problem was, is although you gave that customer that tool, they still have problems. They, they can't connect to the vehicle. Sometimes they got multiple fault codes, no fault codes, or they get a fault code. And they don't know what to do with it. So they would call me because <laughs> we were the people selling it. And I'm all of a sudden playing tech support on the phone. Right. And a lot of it was just like, what's this fault code mean? And because I worked in service, I knew I was like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. Here, here you go. Here's the directions. Yeah. So I realized I was getting like more and more phone calls every single week just on tech support. And I mean, it's happening at night, in the morning, on the weekends. You know, my wife's getting upset at me. I'm like, I, you know, what do you want me to do here? We're making money. Right. So I had the bright idea then. I was like, well, I'm going to I'm going to go make one software program that tells people how to fix every single phone code that's ever existed for commercial trucks. And that way they never have to call me again. Mm. I can say just just go to that program and, and figure it out. And I remember people at the time being like, man, that's impossible. Do you know how many fault codes there are? It's going to take you forever. And I'm like, I have no idea. But I can tell you now, it was like 80,000 fault codes, and it took me about six months. Wow. So that was just, you know, we just kind of kept kept adding on, adding on um, as we as we went through there. Um, and then, then inevitably, it, I ran into a roadblock with my employer because now I'm selling a ton of stuff. Yeah. And they started to realize like, well, our customers aren't coming to us anymore because they can diagnose their own trucks. <laughs> I'm, right. like, I'm like, well. It was cute at first. Yeah, it was cute at first. <laughs> we were making some margin. This is right. now, this is now, you're now harming my business. Right. And I remember, I remember coming to me and, and saying that. And I remember just being like, look, if the only reason people are coming to you is because you're the only one that has a thing, that's a poor business model. That's like right. this is never, you are never going to make it. Like this is, that's not why people should come to you. Right. You're like forcing them to come to you. It just, it's not going to work. And she's like, well, here's your options. Um, I'm going to give you a 10% raise and double your bonus, but you need to quit your side job. Hmm. I'm like, uh, and quit this whole diesel laptop thing. I'm like, oh, well, what's my other option? She's like, well, we fire you or you resign. I was like, oh man, that's yeah. not good. It's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. I got a, I got a one-year-old. I got a three-year-old. My, my wife doesn't work. Uh, so I did. I think what a lot of people do is you call someone you trust and I call my dad. I'm like, dad, what do I do? Like now I got to either quit my job or, you know, do this, do this other thing. And, uh, he's like, oh, easy, easy. You got a 401k, you got health insurance, you got all the things. You got to just shut that side business down. Cause he's been down this road. Before, <laughs> yeah. He's right? like, that's he's, risky. Like yeah. I would say it to my own child, right? Yeah. Like, like de-risk yourself. Like you, you're at a great company. You've been there 10 years. You make six figures a year. Like that's the safe thing to do. And he was, he was hundred percent right. Um, but then I remember going home to my wife and she was just like, you know what? Screw it. <laughs> like we, you know, and we were in a good spot. Like me and her, we, we had no debt. Um, I, I'm saying car paid off, no right. credit card. No, we had nothing. Right. And we had cash in the bank and I had a little bit of traction with the side business thing going already. And I, I was told, you know, I was like, I, I still didn't know. Right. Like, man, I'm giving up 10 years with, with a company. That's, that's hard to do. I love that company. And uh, end up end up quitting my job, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Wow. So I still say, man, getting kicked out of school is the best thing that happened to me. Getting fired was the best thing that happened to me, and giving an ultimatum at work ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. That's 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 amazing. So how how much revenue were you driving at that time when you had to make that decision? What were you guys making? Yeah, so I was. I mean, we were doing about a hundred thousand a month in revenue, but okay. my current employer was the bulk of that. Got it. <laughs> so Got I it. was like, okay, I'm gonna lose my biggest account when I do this thing. And the only other thing I had going, I had, I was on eBay and I had like the world's crappiest GoDaddy quick shopping cart you've ever seen in your life. Like horrible, like horrible, horrible, yeah. like no revenue at all. Yeah. So yeah, it was about a hundred grand a month we were doing. Um, so, and it, you know, it's not all profit, obviously, right? You got For expenses sure. and things in there and um, yeah, so that's where it started. 
Okay, got it. And and I, and I just want to point out because you mentioned you know your, your dad is an entrepreneur. He had the the gravel pit, but you know you literally like had to start from scratch, right? Like th- there was no golden parachute or nothing like that. Like your dad sold, he got the truck dealership, and that pretty much that got acquired, right? And then you end up working for them, and then you end up getting let go from there. So it's like. Yeah. There was there was no residual success from that from this gravel pit, right? From the truck dealer. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, that was my big thing too. And I, I remember my wife looking at me at the you know, she goes, Well, say this goes nowhere and fails. Like, give me worst case scenario here. Like what like walk me through what happens. Right. I'm like, well, worst case is I'm like we have no debt, we got cash in the bank, we got like we got several months, several months of runway here. But worst case is I just, I guess I go find a job with somebody else. Right. And she's like, oh, that's it. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess. Like, I guess that's probably the worst case scenario. So once you kind of sit down and rationalize it a lot and you're like, okay, what really is my risk here? Uh, and again, we were, I, I, I give a lot of credit to the whole debt-free thing and we still run our company that way. And you really do risk yourself and you give yourself opportunity that you may not have and you don't have that sense of pressure on you like you normally do. But I, I can tell you this, I remember... The very first day, like I, I quit my job. I was doing this thing and it was like scorch earth of the earth, scorch earth of the house. Like we canceled every possible subscription and everything <laughs> we had. Right. Like we right. were going bare bones right. here. And I remember uh, working all morning, getting done, sitting at the lunch table. Uh, again, I got my one year old, my three year old there. She brought me lunch and she's like, oh, how much have you sold today so far? And I was like. Zero dollars. <laughs> so zero dollars. Right. <laughs> you can just see that look for a second, like, oh boy, like yeah. let's let's see how this goes. But the day ended up being great and it you know it took off like a rocket since then. Okay. Got it. So the the when you left the you you had the same like minimum viable product that you were kinda that you uh, started while you were working for the truck dealership, right? Well, or did you expand the product or did anything change? Yeah, so like my first products were none of mine. I just took other people's products and bundled them together. And then started adding like, well, I'll be your tech support. I'll build this other program that tells you how to fix the fault codes. So I started like kind of adding on to this existing third-party bundle with with my stuff. But okay. it was a lot of just, you know, value-added reseller type stuff at the time. Okay. Okay. Got it. So just when you say you're bundling other people's products, could you expound on that a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. So for the audience, you need three things to do diagnostics. You need, you need to have a, a PC or a tablet or something, right? And then you need to have software on it. And then you need to have a connection device that goes to the truck. So at the time, I didn't have any of those three pieces. I had three different vendors that had those each of those pieces. And I was like, well, I'm going to buy it from you, you, and you. And I'm just going to put it all together and make it work and then sell it to the customer as a complete kit. Okay. And at the time, a lot of people weren't even doing that. So it was a really easy, it was the easy button for customers to be like, oh yeah, I'll pay you 2,500 bucks for this thing or 3,000, whatever the kit was. And it was none of my stuff. I was just putting other things together, people didn't know how. So I, I know a lot of times people think you need to like create something unique and different to start a business. Not yeah. always the case. So it was just bundling other people's things to start with. Got it. And then you said you had to program um, 80,000 fault codes. Yeah. It took you six months. Yeah. So your computer software programming background kind of came in handy at that point. Did you do that alone or did you? No, have like I, I knew I knew enough to be dangerous, but I, I knew like, okay, I can sit here for a while and figure this out or I can just go on an outsourcing site, pay some developer 20 bucks an hour from somewhere and he'll knock it out in a week. Okay. So I was like, I'll just do that. And I was like, I have to dot like, no, I was like, I got no one else that can help me document all these fault codes. And I just wanted to make a program where anyone could look up real quick and be like, here's my, here's my year make model, my fault code. Boom, here's how you fix it. Got it. So that was that was like hours and hours at night going through thousands of fault codes, just just going through like pages of troubleshooting trees and then me like summarizing them into a couple paragraphs and just being like, all right, done. Next one. Got and it. Yeah, a lot of long, a lot of late night hours. Okay. Where do you get your first customers from? I know I know you had some from the dealership, but when yeah. you when you left, where were you getting your customers? Yeah. So all I had was eBay and my website, and my website never had a sale. And I'm like a week into it and like, I got a sale off the website for like three grand. Okay. I was like, well, this has to be fraud. Like, <laughs> like who even found me? Like, right, how did right, this right. even work? I remember calling the customer being like, hey, you know, who are you? <laughs> are you really a you truck sure repair you, shop? You meant to buy this? Yeah, yeah. from me. And I'm right. like, and like, I remember asking like, well, why'd you buy it from me? He goes, oh, well, I, I typed it in Google. You came up. It looked, le- you look legit. And I put my credit card in mm. and I need it. I'm like. All right, this whole search engine optimization thing, this whole Google thing. I, I need to go figure that out. 
And that really was a pivotal moment because I was like, you know what? I started doing a little bunch of Google searching. I'm like, you know what? Nobody is actually really doing search engine optimization well in my space. I'm like, I think I can go rank my my own company, my own pages with like minimal effort here. Yeah. So that's when I decided like every week I will do one thing to improve my search engine optimization, whether it's like an on-page thing or an off-page thing or whatever it was. But I'm like, I'm just gonna go rank everybody and and get the internet traffic. Got so it. that's and, what really got me going there. And, and what was what was that person looking for? What, what were they searching for? Oh, uh, it was like an adapter. It was like the special Volvo adapter that only works for like Volvo trucks or something. Like I hardly ever sold the thing. So okay. it was a really weird purchase that I, and it was expensive and I was really worried about credit card fraud. So I'm selling the kits, but I'm also selling like individual little pieces and little bundles and, and okay, other- Okay, got you. So, other, so the kits are one thing, but you also have other products as well yeah. that you're selling. Yeah, so I took, yeah, so- I, yeah, there was a lot of little adapters and cables and just little pieces you need. And I'd sell software individually. And what happened is, is all the sales calls turned into consultation calls. Right. And they turned into sales leads because if a guy went on my website and bought a $20 cable, I knew by looking at it, what that cable was for and what type of equipment he's working on. Mm. So I'd call him up and I'd be like, oh, I see you bought this cable. I'm going to ship it out. You'll have it in two days. But I see you're obviously working on these Zuzu trucks. What else do you work on there? Right. And you start the conversation and you start asking questions like, well, how do you do the rest of your diagnostics? How do you do this? How do you do that? Well, I don't. I wish I could. I'm like, well, I have a solution for that. So a lot of those, a lot of those sales weren't really, I didn't even care about the sale and the margin. I cared because it was a sale. It was a sales lead to sell them a bigger thing. Got it. So people, people didn't know what they they knew they had a problem. They didn't know their solution existed. Okay. And that was really the the tricky part of it in the beginning years was explain to people like, hey, there really is a thing here that exists and it's going to solve your problem, save you money and save you time. At what point does the trajectory start to really change where you like really know you you have something going? It, it went quick. So like that first year before I quit, we did 1.2 million. Then the next year we did 3.5. And then we did eight. And then we did 16 and a half and then we did 32. Mm. So it, it was like, it was a really big curve right away. And I, I think I knew like I grew the house pretty quick. I had one employee at first then another, you know, everyone's kind of tired of employees being there all day. And I got one year old and a three-year-old running around doing stuff and a dog barking every time the phone rings or whatever. So uh, we quickly got a moved across the street to a, a old photography studio, back half of it. Started hiring employees. I knew I knew nothing about hiring employees. By the way, it was that was a that was a complete <laughs> joke. Some right. of the stuff we went through there. Right. Uh, and we just we just kept hiring people. And I guess I was I was I was just like, well, I'm just going to keep growing as fast as I can and not really care about profit. I'm just going to keep doubling down, doubling down, and growing this business as fast as I humanly can. So you learn a lot of lessons doing all that. But yeah, it, it took off. It took off really quick. We ended up being top 500 fastest growing in the United States with the Inc. 5000 thing. We've been mm. on that thing a couple times. Fastest growing in South Carolina several times. We've won uh, South Carolina Small Business Export of the Year Award. So we, we've we've really grown really fast. And I guess like and we did the, like with no debt, and no investor money. <laughs> so, right. so it's just been bootstrapping the whole thing the entire time, all the way up through this. Got it. When, when did the, the, the laptops really like kick off as that main product? Like? Yeah. I, I remember when, so like in my first couple bundles I was building, would be really specific. Like this bundle only works on an international engine. This bundle only works on Cummins. Um, and then I had another company that I ended up buying the rights to where he made a program that worked on everything, but it was kind of like read only. And what people really wanted, what what the industry really wanted was like, I want one tool in my shop that can connect to any commercial truck and do everything a dealer can do. Like that's what that's what they wanted. And I'm about nine months into this thing and I'm at a trade show and there's a magazine there and I flipped through, like, through it and it's like the diagnostic tool section. I'm like, oh, cool. And there's this company called Texa. Okay. I'm like, who the heck are these guys? Like I never even heard of them. And I've been, in, I've been doing this for years, right? I'm like, right. who are these guys? Right. So I end up after the trade show, I end up, I end up calling them and the, you know, the guy gives me the sales pitch like, oh man, it'll work on everything. Like no required annual fees. It's awesome. I'm like, I don't believe you. <laughs> I'll buy one anyway and I'll go try it out. Yeah. He's like, cool. I'm going to send it to you, but you know, you're gonna have to install the software and call me and I'll walk you through it. Well, I'm a dude, right? I'm like, I can install, I, I got it. I'm like, I'll install it myself. I'll go to a shop and I'll just start hooking up. And I went out to a shop and it did not hook up to anything. Mm. I was like, nothing worked. I'm like, oh, you're a liar. I want my money back. You know, the whole thing. And right. 
to, to his credit, his name's Lee. He's like, man, just, I told you to call me. <laughs> you didn't call me. <laughs> right. Like, let me just show you a couple things. And he's like, did you do this? I'm like, yeah. He goes, that's wrong. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Okay. So I, I go back out there. He walks me through a couple of things and, and lo and behold, the thing works great. Um, but I, I learned two things right away with that product. One, I can't let a customer ever install the software themselves. It's too complex. And two, they definitely need some training on how to use it properly. Otherwise they'll think it's a junk tool. Okay. Uh, so I got the, put it on the website, did the sales pitch and got it all configured, sent it out. I skipped the training part <laughs> with the customer. Right. Very first one we sent out got returned to me Okay. because it didn't work. Um, but in the meantime, they started taking off though, because I'm, I was having, the, it's the same conversation I was having over and over and over again with repair shops throughout the country. And we were focused on small repair shops at the time. Uh, because you got decision makers are the ones calling the business owner. They can, they'll, they'll buy on the first phone call sometimes. So I just, and I knew how to talk. I knew, I knew exactly what to say. I did commercial truck repair for years. I knew all the words. I knew all the things I, I lived and breathed this world. So I was like, yeah, here's the solution. Here's how it works. Here's all the things. And it just, it really started to take off really quick. And now all of a sudden I go from selling like $2,500 kits, which is my normal one. At the time, these ones were like six grand. Got it. So all of a sudden the revenue numbers are just like skyrocketing. And that's when I was like, man, I need help. I can't even answer the sales calls. <laughs> I, yeah. Like I, you know, you guys are bringing in some bodies. So, so is the, the, the demand is because you have, you're able to consolidate all of these different fault codes on one program. Like, and most shops don't have that type of technology, right? Yeah. So up, up until this point, most shops would have multiple laptops in their shop running multiple different pieces of software. And it ends up being a real, a real pain because now I have multiple computers and each computer has different software and each software is different. So if anyone's ever used software, there's always a learning curve to everything. Yeah. And then all these softwares have licensing fees and annual refees, like, and it, it's, it's a really difficult to manage. And we just came in and said, well, how about this? How about we give you one tool and it's going to hook up to everything. It's going to have integrated repair information. And you can call and talk to our, our diesel techs. We'll help walk you through problems that you have. Why did no one solve this problem before? I don't know, man. <laughs> to it, me, it was it, super it easy. It seems very simple. It does. It seems really simple, but no one was doing it. They like There would be companies that are like, well, we sell the software. Here you go. If you can't fix a truck, that's not our problem. We, we gave you the software. And you had other people who said, well, I'm just going to make the hardware. I'm not making software. And, right. and nobody was really coming along saying, I'm going to just... I'm going to take care of you. And, and really that's what, that's what people want. People yeah. want a solution and they want to, they want to know that what they buy is actually going to work for them. And that was probably one of the hardest things was convincing people to go drop six, seven, eight, $9,000 on some internet stranger over the phone. <laughs> like, like that was, that was one of the challenges. Right. It was like, you know, people were like, it's too good to be true. For sure. So, so there were no like hurdles with like the licensing and all that for you to like aggregate all those different things. So this one. was an aftermarket Product. So again, none of these were my, like my, it was my repair information, but it was again, somebody else's, it was Texas diagnostic software. Okay. It's just Texas didn't have an office in the United States. They had no employees. They had no call center. They had no repair information. Right. So they had a great product, but they didn't, they at the time, I don't think they understood that just because you have a great tool that does something and you don't actually have ability to support it and tell people how to fix the problem. Your tool just told them you didn't solve their problem. You just gave them like one little piece of information. They need, they need way more than that. So that's really, it hasn't been us selling diagnostic tools that grew. It's been us supporting the customers and being a solution to their problem. Not just, I'm here to sling you a product. Like these, some of these products we still sell today, you can go buy them for 20, 30, 40% cheaper from Fleet Pride, Napa, Riley, AutoZone. Probably some people have been in your podcast. Right. But we don't lose deals to those guys because the customers that we talk to, they don't, it, it's not a price thing. It's I, I need to get this truck out of the shop. Like, and they know they make money off that. I mean, you're talking 150, 200 bucks an hour labor rate, you know, and you start charging people hundred bucks every time you hook a laptop up, paying a little bit more for laptop to get more support and more repair information and actual training. Yeah. It's priceless. Yeah. Talk about some of the different, uh, like the typical problems that you're going to find when you, kind of hook up this software that you're going to find on the truck? Yeah. So a third of the calls we get in our call center are my tool won't connect. <laughs> so, so, and trust me, we even get worse than that. You know, 
the, the level below that is like how to turn my laptop on. Like we get some of those calls too. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. So that, I mean, and it's nothing, nothing against them. They just don't know. Right. Yeah, like yeah, they're, yeah. they're not used to using a computer. Like all these guys have been running off of old school truck diagnostics, listening to the engine and feeling it to figure out what's going on. Right. And all of a sudden now they got to hook a computer up and there's a whole bunch more of componentry on here. They had no training on and no experience on. So, so they're all struggling, but yeah, a third of them are, I, I, how do I connect to my vehicle? I'm having a problem. And that's across OEM software, aftermarket software. It doesn't matter. About the other third is I'm connected, but I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Right. So it's just, how do I, how do I do this? Why, why can't I just click this button and have it solve my problem for me? Like, what do, <laughs> what do I do here? Like, how do I, how do I troubleshoot this? And most times now with commercial trucks, you don't get just one fault code. You get multiple fault codes. So if you got four fault codes, like, well, okay, which one do I start with? Where do I go? How do I, how do I do this? I need a wiring diagram. I can't find it. So it's, it's that type of stuff. And then the other third of the calls are just, I need help updating my software. Mm. So if you can imagine we have, you know, well over 40,000, those laptop kits out there, we got another 50,000 or so customers about other stuff. It's a lot of software, man. And people, sure. people don't, again, like their forte is not clicking buttons and running updates and doing things. It's working on trucks. For sure. So, yeah. So does, does the software walk you through like clearing the codes and so forth? So or? diagnostic software by itself does not. So diagnostic software by itself, you can connect to a vehicle. It'll show you the fault code. It'll show you the description. And that's it. <laughs> Got you. So you know what's wrong. So check engine lights on. I know my code, but now I have to go find repair information somewhere to tell me how to fix that thing. Got it. And sometimes that leads to other pieces. I need um, I need to have remove and replace instructions. I need torque specs. I need maintenance intervals. I need whatever else. So that's been one of the big investments we've made is we spend millions of dollars a year just creating our own repair information content. And we used to give it away for free. Like mm. if you bought a kit for me, you still get it for free, but what we do now is like anybody can buy that repair information. So it's created like a new revenue stream for our company now to say like, oh, anybody with any tool they bought from anywhere can still subscribe to our repair information package. So now we created our own B2B SaaS model is what we did in that regard. Okay. So by building these services out, we've been able to expand out and create new revenue streams for us. Got it. So now they're able to save time. They don't have to go and have that wait time in the shop weeks, uh, you know, waiting to find out what's going on with the truck when they, when they, they know what part they need right away. So customers right? can literally just, some of our customers do this. They literally will just plug the laptop in, open a chat session and say, help me fix my truck. Got it. And our technicians will remote in. We'll look at the fault codes. We'll ask questions. We'll tell them what to check. We'll, we'll walk them through the entire thing. And then we'd have connected parts information to a lot of these things now as well. And I'm like, well, and here's the part number you need to buy to, to fix your problem. And there's a huge shortage of diesel technicians right now. So I don't, I don't know if people know how bad it is out there. There's yeah. about a quarter million diesel technicians in the industry. Right. Um, during the peak, there was like 80,000 open jobs on Indeed. Wow. Right. Wow. It's better now. There's only about 40,000, but that's just Indeed, not all the other platforms. So there's a huge, huge shortage. And the ones that are out there, they get no training. And that's that was the other piece of the puzzle we figured out really quickly was you can give them the world's best diagnostic tool, the world's best repair information, but they don't know what they're doing. It ain't, we didn't solve the problem. So when we do our training classes, people think it's about how to use software. It's not. That's like 5% of it. Mm. You can use anybody's software in our training classes. It's literally, here's how you properly diagnose an after-treatment system. Here's how you properly diagnose an HVAC system. So I'll tell you like a story what happens. And I'm sure your listeners have had this happen to them. Yep. Because emission systems are one of the big ones. So I just hired my first trainer. I knew the guy for a long time, like one of the best technicians in South Carolina. And I'm like, all right, man, we're going to go to the shop. I'm going to show you how this tool works. So we get to the shop and I go to the owner. I'm like, hey, man, I'm here to just test some stuff. He goes, well, since you're here, this guy just rolled in passing through. He's having some problems with his emission system. I'm like, cool, perfect. So we go out there. We talk to the driver. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, oh, man. He goes, I'm doing frequent regens. Like, well, how frequent? Like once every three or four days. I've been to six or seven shops. They get it working for a little bit. A week later, it gets bad again. He's just going on. He goes, no one's actually been able to fix it. Right. Like, okay, story I'm sure a lot of people here can relate For to, sure. right? So we hook the laptop up. It's got a bunch of codes. And uh, Dustin's his name that's with me. He looks at the guy and he goes, you've been going through some oil? And the guy's like, you know what? Actually, I have been going through some oil, but I'm going to top off more than off, more than before, blah, blah. He goes, I already know what's wrong. Hmm. And he's like, what? He goes, oh, you got, an, you got an oil leak in front of your turbo and it's passing all the way through to your DPF and clogging it up. 
I can tell because you have an overspeed code. Mm. And the guy's like, you got to be kidding me. So like literally <laughs> go pull the intake pipe off. There's oil all over it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So like he diagnosed that in less than three minutes. And this, this poor guy has been going around for a month, shop to shop to shop, spent thousands of dollars, all this downtime because people couldn't properly diagnose it. Yeah. So it happens a ton in the commercial repair industry. People throw the parts cannon at it and they just start throwing parts at it until they think they fix it. Um, and it's just, there's just so much waste going on in the industry and that's what we're trying to help solve. Got it. You, you, you also have a, other products as well. So you have your top line product, which is like you said, the $10,000 laptop. Then you have other products that you started to create. Why did you start to create these other products? And just tell me about the different products you have and what, uh, what, what, what purpose they serve. Yeah. So, I mean, number one, I looked at the automotive industry. So trucks are always 10 years behind automotive, whether it's safety, emissions, robots driving cars and trucks, like whatever it is, we're always just behind, right? So I saw what happened to automotive where a bunch of companies came in and started building diagnostic tools. So if you go to Walmart or Amazon or O'Reilly's, you can buy an automotive scan tool and yeah. there's a bazillion of them. Nobody knows what's different with any of them. And what I started to see in our space was all of a sudden like the Asian import comp tool companies started coming in. And all of a sudden I'm like, their, their tools weren't that great, but I'm like, man, they're not great now, but I know where they're going to get to. I'm going to have margin compression on my top stuff. Um, I got to, I got to provide more value, more services to protect that margin, but I need to have something that goes head to head or even undercuts these guys to, to really come out and have a suite of products. We don't want to oversell a customer tool. We want to give them the right tool. And all of our competitors were just selling really one tool. So I'm like, man, if I had a whole suite of tools. I can go to shop and not sell them just one tool. I can sell them all the right things in their shop and they all communicate and talk together and it'd be this perfect situation. Right. So yeah, we, we came out with uh, a variety of products. So we really talk about like four tiers of tools and we have products in all those tiers now and we even have one that's free. Got it. So um, even the free one, I mean, we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars developing that and we gave it away for free just because we knew it kind of like protected us a little bit. And then it was another option, another lead gen tool for the company okay. more than anything else. What so, does the free one do? Yeah. The free one, you have to have a laptop and you have to have a, that physical adapter to go to the truck, which, you know, those cost five, six, 700 bucks. Uh, but that tool will read all the codes on your vehicle. Look at all the live data, download a health report, but it, we made it, we made it hundred percent free. And I got a lot of slack for that, but I was like, well, here's the thing, guys, that thing gets over a thousand downloads a month <laughs> and I got a thousand new customers in my sales funnel. Yeah. And by the way, every code, when you click on it leads to my diesel repair information, which is a subscription model. Right. And by the way, we're going to add, now we're adding uh, next month. Uh, if you want to upgrade and pay a monthly fee, now you can do some advanced commands in it as well. So for me, it was, yeah, I'll, I'll go spend money and provide value. Um, and I know if I provide value to customers that they'll come back to me when they need to spend money and buy something. For sure. So for me, it's just building up that ecosystem of like, hey, we, we got you from, from free to professional level and we'll we'll make sure it's really easy to move back and forth on all these tools that we have and we're gonna take care of you and you're gonna have a great experience at diesel laptops. Got it. Who, who is your ideal customer? Yeah, so it's really changed. Like we've been, we've been sitting here talking about commercial trucks the whole time and you know, we realized a couple of years back, like, well, wait a second, heavy equipment, like in the video here, I'm pointing at, yeah, uh, they run diesel. <laughs> and you know, the you start looking at it, there's really like three buckets of diesel equipment. There's on highway commercial trucks, on highway like light, you know, Ford Chevy Dodge type stuff, Ram. And then you have off highway diesel. And the the conclusion, the surprising thing we found out is the biggest market base for all of those is the off highway stuff. Mm. There is magnitudes larger, more off highway diesel engines than there are on highway for commercial trucks. And that surprises a lot of people, but there are literally hundreds of manufacturers of diesel equipment. Um, and that same diesel equipment is the same engines ran all around the world. So we got into that business and in that business, again, they're five or 10 years behind truck. They, everyone in that space thought it was an impossibility that one tool could hook up to a John Deere tractor, a cat front end loader and a Komatsu excavate like that was like unheard of in a bobcat like it, it hooks up there they, they didn't know existed right and we we kind of got stumbled upon luckily um uh to uh the equipment rental industry and one of the big equipment rental industries you got to keep in mind they have one of every make model piece of equipment that exists yeah. all over the country and we're starting to talk to these guys and they're like man we got uh we got you know our service trucks have five laptops in them each 
And we That's came to him and like, man, we got one laptop that'll do all these things. Yeah. And I, it was a couple of years ago, we inked like the largest uh, aftermarket tool deal ever, world, like world history ever with one of the big companies and like all the rest of them followed. So today, like the off highway equipment industry is like half our revenue. Um, the on highway stuff, like our, our, anyone that works on all make all model stuff is, is really where we fit in really well. Uh, so that's, you know, fleets that have a mixed fleet, uh, vocational fleets, independent shops, DOTs, state governments, all those guys are, are right up our alley. Now that we do have more like a uh, owner operator type tool with a little diesel decoder tool that works with your phone, that kind of fits that market. So we're, we're taking what we've done really good at and just start to expand into other markets and let our brand kind of speak for itself. Got it. Is electric anything, something that you're concerned about? Oh my gosh, electric. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you know, I get this, right? Because they're like, hey, you're diesel laptops, yeah, right? Yeah, or are you going to be electric laptops? Yeah, we can do, yeah, we can do electric laptops. <laughs> they're electric, man. They're not diesel powered. Yeah. So so we run in, we run into that question all the time. So uh, as much news as electric gets, there's, there's a long way to go in that space. I mean, Nikola Motors just came out with their quarter one reports. They built 130 trucks. They got 130 trucks sitting on their factory floor that the dealers aren't buying. That's right. Um, you look at, and I've, I've had Navistar on my podcast. I've had Mac on my podcast. I, I think they fit really well in special markets like school bus and refuse and, and ports and, and some certain areas. So it's something that, you know, we keep an eye on, but it is, I mean, I think, I think we'll both be to dust before we see EVs <laughs> like really, really be a thing. Yeah. The, but it's an opportunity. So we've already had a couple EV companies reach out to us and say, look, we need a support network. Like we're an EV manufacturer, but we don't have any dealers. Like we're direct. We need to have a support network. You guys have a lot of customers. Uh, we had another one approach us saying, look, you guys know diagnostic software. We actually want you to make our diagnostic software for us. So we have a couple of those types of things pending out there. And then the other, the other big one we get to is like robots driving trucks. Right. And, and to us, that's a huge, huge opportunity because more sensors, more wires, more computers, more, more things, diagnostics. more diagnostics, man. Like, yeah. like, like line me up the... Yeah, come on, Elon. Bring on that. Bring on the self-driving <laughs> trucks or whoever does it, right? Yeah, for sure. Too simple. Like that's that's all all good stuff for us. Uh, so I don't, you know, how all that plays out is anyone's guess. It's gonna it's gonna take a while though for EV trucks to be like a real thing. I mean, they're they're heavier. There's no charging infrastructure. They they got they got a long way to go, regardless of what California, New York are trying to do. Got it. Got it. What what has been like one of the most challenging things in in building your business? Yeah. Oh man. Uh, a lot. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, so we. I mean, we bootstrap, right? So cash flow, like that. That's like. And, the, and we talked about you started with a thousand dollars. Thousand dollars, and we'll do close to a hundred million in revenue this year, if not a hundred. Nice. So with no debt, and <laughs> yeah. So so that's like cash. Cash flow is like so important and there's been times and we, we do have a credit line yeah we've had to tap into it once in a while because we got ourselves in a pinch and just had bad bad decisions and you know pay it back right away so it's like a safety net thing for us uh but that's cash is definitely definitely one of them uh, i can you know tell the audience like we just had a situation where in july we changed our erp system so we got no financials for like six months um and then because of covid we over ordered right. and all of a sudden everyone to get paid and all of a sudden we had, we had a cash bank account was went to zero. We had a, we had a money market account with money on it. We're moving that money off and we had no clarity, no financial statements, no nothing. Mm. So there's, there's as big as you get, there's still, there's still problems you run into that you really got to pay attention to. So that's number one. And then humans, that's, that's the other one. Like finding people you can trust is, is really freaking hard. Like the bigger, <laughs> especially sure. the bigger you get, like when you're smaller, you get to know people, right? Like I see you guys here, you're traveling together, you know each other. Like that's, it, it's harder. It's harder when you get bigger because you start hiring people. You have no idea who they are or what they're for there or why they're there. Yeah. And that gets, that gets really tough. I've had employees steal money from me. You know, employees file false claims on us. It, it, it just, it gets, it gets, you know, the crappiness of it when you hit a certain size. And again, to trust someone after you've had people steal money or embezzle from you, that's a really, that's a really tough thing to do, but you have right. to do it as an owner. Otherwise you can't, you'll never, you'll never move forward. Right. Right. All right, guys, Truck and Hustle has now partnered with Transpo CFO powered by Venning. Transpo CFO offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting, payroll, and tax needs into one flat monthly rate, saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead. Check out Transpo CFO in the description below and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Now let's get back to the show. 
Now, for sure, that's the reality of entrepreneurship and building something great. Um, take take us through for for people kind of watching right now. If they were to order one of these laptops, just kind of take us through what that experience looks like and what the the kind of like the the process, right? They'll they'll order the laptop, they'll receive it, then kind of what happens after. Yeah, that. so like on the up on the up, it's different, right? So the upper tier kits, like it's really like a white glove approach. It's like okay, you put an order in. And before we're even building that order, someone on our team's calling to set them up with like a training session. Right. <laughs> so we're like, okay, we want you to make sure that you are trained up and watch the online videos or our live webinars before you even get this thing. Because we know if they don't, the odds of them returning that thing are like 10x than if they don't. That's right. So we have to tell them you need to do the training. And in that training, we beat into their heads, call tech support with any issues. So I would say most times when customers take us up on the 30 day money back guarantee, it's because they didn't do the training and they never called in tech support, right? <laughs> Got it. So kind of like I did with my first kit. So yeah, I, I for get sure. It. I you understand. I, yeah, I, like, I can't blame you guys at all. Yeah, so once that, that training's set, but then it goes into production. So we have an entire production area over here. We have a warehouse. Uh, we have a system. Spritz out all the barcodes. Team walks around the barcode scanners, picks all the pieces, goes into production. And in production, they assemble them. And we can assemble them quick. We can assemble like 65 to 70 a day uh, if we need to. And it goes through a quality check process the entire time yeah, from the beginning to the end, gets put in a box and gets sent out. So if orders come in before like noon, they're shipping same day. Got it. So we're, we're really quick at getting product out the door to our customers. Uh, our lesser end products, they're not that involved. I mean, a lot of our stuff's on Amazon. So you can just pop on Amazon, buy a thing, have a little tool show up. And, you know, we, again, we beg people call us. <laughs> like uh, that's, the, that's the biggest thing is these are diagnostic tools. And I, I told the audience before, a third of the time they don't connect. It's usually not the tool. It's yeah. usually the truck right. or something stupid like your Bluetooth is off or whatever. Who, 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 because you have a suite of products. What's the difference? Who needs a 10,000 compared to the free? Like why, the, the why, obviously I know why you did different products, but yeah. who needs a, the, the, the more, you know, more expensive yeah. tool and who could use a free one? So like just I, give us an idea. I just had a customer yesterday. Like I, I, you know, we got 200 employees. Customers still get to me somehow, some way, yeah. <laughs> usually through LinkedIn or whatever. So, Guy called me up and he's like, Hey, I need to buy a tool. I'm going to start my business next month, blah, blah, blah. What do you, you know, what do you recommend? I'm like, well, what do you work on? Tells me, I'm like, great. What do you, what do you want to do? He's like, that's a good question. <laughs> like, okay. Do you want to read codes and clear codes? Yes. Yes. Do you want to do regens? Yes. Are you going to change road parameters? No. Are you going to program injectors? Like, no, I'm doing road service. I'm not going to do injectors. I'm like, okay, well, based on what you told me, you probably only need like this 350 or $1,500 tool. Right. And I kind of explained the differences to him. But where it usually goes to is like the first question is like, do you work on truck, off highway or both? If they say both, it's like you're immediately on $10,000 plus range Got to get that. So that limits it down. Um, and if it's like, well, I only work on truck and we say, well, do you want to do you want to do more than just like read codes, clear codes and uh, do regens and basic commands? And they're like, yeah, I want to do everything. You're like, OK, now we're at a $10,000 tool. <laughs> like right. it, it goes that way. But usually sometimes they have other questions. So it's like, well, I only I have a fleet. I run three trucks, you know, we're not going to, we shouldn't be pitching you a $10,000 tool. Uh, we should be having a conversation with you being like, okay, look, what do you, what do you really need to do? Like what's really going to get you by in that situation? So it's trying to have those consultative conversations. And that's been one of our struggles is because we have so much traffic and so many leads coming in. We were trying to hire salespeople like 10 at a time and they know nothing about commercial trucks and nothing about diagnostic tools. And trying to get them to help answer those questions, we found out it's like nearly impossible. And we had super high turnover because they were frustrated. They weren't getting it. Customers weren't buying. Like, we got to fix this. So we just changed that about two or three months ago and said, look, yeah, we're growing. We're still growing. We're still doing well. But now's the time to like kind of blow up the way we actually deal and handle with customers. Yeah. So let's have a couple of really good experts and make sure they get all those complicated calls and you guys can sell all the other things. So it sounds simple to say it, but... Trying to change your culture and your processes with fifty salespeople is not not easy. Yeah, got it. The uh, the truck dealerships must not like you too much, man. You know, it's so I will say the ones that I get the attorney letters from are usually <laughs> the truck manufacturers, <laughs> and they're usually accusing us uncompetitors. So yeah, there's, there's yeah, a competitor in general. We get at least one attorney letter a year, right? And it's almost Cease a joke and desist. now. Yeah, it's every joke. Like the last one, I didn't even open. I just like took a video and like threw it in the garbage can. Right. Like, sent the guy a video. Like right. I don't, I don't even, I don't know what you're complaining about. I'm getting right. wrong. Right. So like it, it, you know, you upset people, right? And I, I think, 
I think that's when you know you're on the right path. And in every letter we've ever gotten accusing us of doing something we weren't doing, they're just making assumptions or trying to slow things down or really upset they lost a big deal or whatever it is. So the funny thing is, is now a lot, and I, I've gotten a letter from, I think, every truck manufacturer that exists that sent me at least one letter. Uh, <laughs> but now a lot of them we're actually working with. So, mm. so the, the tide's definitely turned. And I think they've all realized their dealers can't handle all their, all their needs as a manufacturer. They can't, they can't work on all the trucks when the trucks need to get worked on. They need aftermarket to exist to help take care of their customers. And now we've actually done some private label deals for tools for some of the engine manufacturers. So some of these engine guys are actually taking our tool, putting our logo, we're re-logoing it and making their own app and, and selling it to them. Um, so that's been interesting. Dealers are hit or miss, man. <laughs> some, some dealers, they, they, uh, we have a reseller program uh, like Kenworth, Louisiana. Those guys sell a ton of tools for us. Mm-hmm. And their whole mentality is like, well, the more my customers can fix things, the more parts they're going to buy from me. Right. Right. So they have, I think, a great mentality on it. And then you get some dealers like the one I work for. We're like, hell no, you're going to you're going to you're going to make it so customers never have to use me. Right. And I, I think time will tell. But I think the the people that take care of their customers end up being the big winners in this whole thing. Yeah. So I, to me, it's everyone's got their own opinion, but I'm, I'm not going anywhere at this point. So sure. now they got to deal with me. Right. For so, sure. Um, it's a, it's exciting times. And that's kind of how we looked at it with the EV thing too. It was like, man, I was 20 years late to this diesel game and I had, I had no budget. I had no brand name recognition. I didn't even have enough. I didn't have, I had nothing. I was in my garage and now with EVs and autonomous, like, man, it's like the great reset. Like now you get to go deal with me from day one that's right. when I have all these resources and all these things. So let's, let's go find out what happens. That's right. Have, have you ever like been able to quantify like the savings that you'll save like a carrier um, by using one of your laptops as opposed to having to go through the dealerships and so forth? So we've, we've never done a study ourselves, but when these customers buy like hundreds or thousands of units, they, they do studies. Gotcha. And a couple of them have given us the numbers on the ROI. Um, the, the last one we did where that they end up buying like hundreds of units, they said it was less than six months. Like this tool paid for itself in six months and it was wow. all gravy on top of that. So yeah, because it, it's, it really is, it really is a problem. Like we work with companies all the time. And again, some of your, some of your listeners here, viewers, I'm sure they've been broken down the side of the road or been somewhere to a shop. The shop's like, oh yeah, we can connect to it. We can work on it. And then they get there like, oh no, we can't, we can't do that. But when our customers go out there, we know they can. Like we know they have access to everything, including us. So it's just like a different level of confidence. And that's one of the things we want to do eventually is actually a lot of our customers are asking, like, can we put your logo on our truck? Can we put your logo in our shop? Can mm. we do this? And I'm like, okay. I'm like, man, we got to like figure out a way to control this a little bit to make sure that, you know, people aren't abusing it. So to us, I think we're building the brand that actually means something to these repair shops and hopefully eventually to customers as well. When they see that, they know like, okay, these guys, these guys know what the heck they're doing. How, how do you keep the competitive edge and the moat that you've built, right? Knowing now that people have seen that you can do what you've done, how are you able to keep that and not have it spread like wildfire? Yeah, yeah that's, been the, that's been the funny thing. So like a lot of the things I've done, like we were first with like 30 day money back guarantee. Well, now, now everybody does one. Right. Like all these things we do, people are like, oh, no, I got a call center. I can do diesel tech. So I got repair. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're all watching. They're all copying. So yeah. that's we, fine. We, we know how that is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. And when you get successful, people, you get the imitators start to pop yeah, up, right? Like, sure. oh, I can do that, right? Yeah. And it's, yeah, like, well, copy this, right? So <laughs> you, you want to build your brand and your reputation. Brands always win, right? I know when I buy shoes, I don't go, I don't go on the internet and search for like running shoes. I go Google like Nike, right? right? Like that's, that's a brand winning. And that's really what's happened with us, with our brand when it comes to internet searches is people aren't Googling diagnostic tools. They're Googling diesel laptops, Mm. which is, which is what we want. Uh, but for the competitors, you have to keep innovating. So that's been one of the, 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 the hard things that we've had a pillow we've had to swallow here is at first you only have a $10,000 tool. And you're selling the bejesus out of it, right? Like every customer is buying that $10,000 tool. And then we come out and say, well, we need a $3,500 tool. And the, the, the fear is that, well, now people are going to buy the $3,500 one and not the $10,000 one. Right. Like how do, we, how do we not shoot ourselves in the foot? And I made that decision a long time ago. Like I don't care. I want to do what's best for the customer. Like I'll deal with my that margins. That's my problem to figure out my business model. Because like if I don't do it, 
somebody else is going to do it. <laughs> I don't want to be chasing them. Right. And that's been the problem with even like, uh, we have a little tool. It's 350 bucks, works with your iPhone or Android. Which you gave me one. Yeah, I gave, I gave you one. And yeah, I'll, I'll get somebody, get somebody that tool yeah. for free, some somehow. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, that's a that's a tool that like reads codes, clear codes, one tap to repair, and does DPF regens. Like that was the questions I was getting asked six years ago on the phone. Like, and I'm selling them a six thousand dollar tool at the time. Now right. I got a three hundred fifty dollar tool that does it. So the the problem is a business owner is you're like, man, I'm eating my own lunch here, right? The innovator's dilemma. But what I keep coming back to is like, what's the right thing to do for the customer? And what's the right thing to do for diesel laptops long-term? And, and the answer is always like, yeah, keep innovating, keep making new products and keep taking care of your customers. Mm. And we know it's not about the tool. We know it's about them actually needing the support and the repair and all the other pieces along with it. So to me, it's it's all right to do those things. But yeah, we have to keep innovating. We have to keep doing marketing differently. We have to just keep constantly be better. So that's the mantra on here is just be better. Got it. Has anybody shown up in the space trying to compete? I mean, okay. So you got to keep in mind, my competitors are Bosch, Snap-on, yeah. uh, Hearst Media, which is a $10 billion company, right? right? Big like, boys. No no one I've listed here makes less than $10 billion in revenue, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> that was right. in my garage. Right, right. Right? So you're right. like, man, how do you go, how do you go compete out of your garage with one person against snap on. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's a challenge. You have to figure out where your opportunities are in that whole space. So I, I actually like the big competitors because they are so far removed from like reality Very of what's true. going on that it's like, do you not even know what, like you said earlier, why didn't nobody think of this? I don't know. You can go <laughs> ask the guys at Bosch and snap on why they didn't think about it. <laughs> right. But I'm sure it's people that aren't even in the industry, right? A bunch of people in suits sitting around trying to figure out things and don't, don't understand looking at spreadsheets. Yeah. And in the meantime, I've been working in a shop for 10 years. I'm like, well, I can see the problem clear as day. People, people want to be able to fix their own stuff simply and easily. And no one was really able to do it. So um, there's an existing competitor out there that, you know, I've been around for a long time. They, I remember meeting him, uh, their CEO. And he's just like, why are you in this space? You're going to get your ass kicked there. You know, this market's not that big, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, okay, whatever. I'm going to do my thing. And, you know, we passed him. I mean, we do double his revenue now. <laughs> so, so, you didn't laugh them. No, more. yeah. Well, and then he'd be like, well, you know, we're developing, you know, he, he would tell me what his product, I knew what his product did. And I knew what, I knew what these other ones did. And he's like, well, we're going to get to that level in like two years. I'm like, you're like, but two years, you're going to, they're going to be like, you don't even see their taillight. Like right. you're delusional on where, the, on where they're at. Right. So it, it's funny when you get removed from things, how much that happens. And that's why I still try to stay active. I still, I talk to customers. I go to trade shows. I'm on the Facebook forums. I'm like, I need to know what's going on in the market to be able to keep coming up with products and ideas and keep growing the company and innovating. What, what motivates you as an entrepreneur? Cause it doesn't seem like it's the money. No, no, never been about the money. Yeah. 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 So well, maybe in the beginning, in the beginning, it was, it's, it's your why, right? That's really like, why do you do what you do? And for me, that's changed through the years. So at first the why was like, well, I quit my job. I got to put a roof and a right. <laughs> food on the table. Right. 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 That was the first necessity. Why. Yeah. Like I, I got it. Like I'm the bread bringer. I got it. I got to do this. And then I think the next why for me was really like, well, okay. Putting food on the table. Can we like, can we actually like build a business, like a real business, not in my garage and dining room table? Right. So you get the rental play, you know, rent the first place. Like, oh, this is a business. I go to work every day. This is, this is a thing. And then it became like, man, I wonder, like, can I grow this thing? Like how, how, how big can I get this thing? And then you start doing that and you start realizing like how much potential you have. And now, now the why sounds really crazy. Like my why that I tell our employees all the time, like the reason we're here, the reason here is to go help an industry and change it. Mm. And let's go really change the way people diagnose and fix trucks. And to a lot of people, that's a big goal. And, you know, you get laughed at behind doors or whatever. But I'm like, I think we can do it. Like right. how many people have the opportunity to really go change the way an industry works and change it for the better and be a, be a part of that. So I think I think we got some really cool, innovative stuff coming up that our our, our competitors are going to look at and just be like, how in the how how did they do that? Yeah. <laughs> and like like they're going to have the kind of like that that oh crap moment where does, does it ever worry you man like when you're like innovating like this and you're like changing an industry that's like kind of a big that's that's a heavy load to carry yeah you know like in terms of like because there's a lot of people looking at you and saying man this one man or this one company this team they're changing the way things are and people don't like that typically yeah no i'm the other side of it i'm like i'm yeah we're we're all perfectly okay with that here right <laughs> like, we're like well 
people know the problems. That's the thing. You talk to everyone in our space and they'd be like, oh yeah, I can't find the part I need. I can't diagnose things quickly. I can't, the truck's broke down. Like everyone knows all the problems. People are begging for solutions. Right. And you know, one of the, like I did in the tour today with you, I was, I explained, I'm like, look, typically if you ask somebody like, Hey, once you know, that's the part you need, how long does it take you to figure out the part number who has it and what the price is and when you're going to have it. Right. And if you ask people that question, they'll take anywhere from 45 minutes to a couple hours. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, first of all, it took you an hour to get from a fault code to that part. And now it's going to take you another hour or two to figure out who has it and when can I get it and when can I get this truck out the door? Like this is totally a solvable problem. And no one's ever combined like diagnostic tools with repair with parts. And that's exactly what we're about to unleash is like, Hey, here's this free tool. Here's this $350 tool or my $10,000 tool. Here's your code. Here's your part number. Here's price and availability. Click the button to buy it. Yeah. And to us, that really changes a lot of things because now decision-making power on who buys what from who shifted right into like right into someone else's hands. So, um, we show that to people, half of them get excited, half of them get scared. Right. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. For sure. When, when you're not working, are you, do you still find yourself obsessing over this stuff? Like how, how do you, um, how do you stay, I guess, in the know or like you, you maintain that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, you just don't lose touch like with what's going on in yeah. the real world, right? I mean, you're, you're an entrepreneur. Is it, can you turn it off? Is that, is that possible? No, you can't. <laughs> you, can't. Like, you can't, right? So, and like everyone around me in my life is in this space. Like even my friends, a lot of my friends work here. Like this is, this is all I've known and done for like, man, 20 years now based on my previous experience. So to me, it's, it's that, that's not really a problem. The problem is trying to like, trying to turn it off and have that ability to relax and I can definitely say since I've hired now I got a CFO, a chief revenue officer, a COO, I, I've hired like competent people from the space that understand the vision. It's been like a huge weight off my shoulder because mm. all of a sudden I'm like, man, I'm not, I'm not the one pulling anymore. You guys are pulling me. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys go like, let me, I'll let go of the reins. I'll let you guys go run with this thing. So once you get people around you that think like you and have passion and th those are the ones that you want in your company. Cause that's how you, that's how you really hyperdrive. Got it. Got it. What are the goals for diesel laptops for the upcoming year? And just talk about some of the future, future goals that you guys are, you know, planning. Yeah. On the horizon. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about, you know, you always got to be like, where are you going? Right. Where are you going? Unless you know where you're going, you don't make decisions. That's right. So one of my decisions that I had to come to terms with is like, what am I doing with diesel laptops? Am I, am I own this thing for the next 20 years? Or am I giving it to my kids? Like, what am I doing here? And I, I always tell people like, look, my, I can't quit my job. <laughs> like you can, <laughs> I, right. Uh, my path only ends one of two ways. I, I die or retire. Mm. Like that's, that's, that's where the story ends with me. And I just want to do it on my terms. So for me, the, there is a, there is a five-year plan. Like I don't, I don't want to be a hundred percent involved in owning the company in five years. Like I want to make sure there's a great management team. I want to make sure it's going the right direction. I still want to make sure my fingers in the pot and I got a little hand, a little bit of a hand on the steering wheel, not the whole hand. Right. And, I know, but I know that's how diesel laptops makes it the next 20, 30, 40 years is, is if I, if I do those things. So that's the long term. The short term is just then you backfill, right? Okay. If I know I want to be out, I want to know like what my company should be worth by that point. Now I can start backfilling the next five years, three years to figure out like, what do I need to do to get to that point? So I'm comfortable with that. So that's been a big, big decision for us. And a big thing over here is looking out five years. Uh, like we're not worried about 2023, like right. 2023, we do not even talk about anything going on in 2023, the senior level. We're talking about 2024 to 2028. Got it. Got it. So, so there's a number, you have a number, you have an exit. Oh yeah. 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 The number's quarter billion. Quarter billion. So that's, that's where we're, that's where we're going for. I get that number. I'm out of here. So <laughs> I figure I can, that'd be enough for me to, to go do something with. No, that's, that, that's amazing. And you're not far. No, no, I got offered, I got offered nine figures, uh, last year. It just, the deal wasn't right. It didn't feel right at the time. Why? Um, I guess there was a couple reasons why one, the earnout was absolutely horrible. Got it. <laughs> that part was horrible. Got it. Um, there was no real clear strategy or vision on, on what was actually going to happen and how that would all work. Um, and I didn't, you know, I, I signed the LOI and as we went through the process, I got, I got, I it didn't it didn't feel right. Man. Got like it. It, it, you know, you have that in your stomach. Giving your baby, not, you're not, you're not giving your baby to I, the right I, person. I wasn't ready. It wasn't the right time. I'm like, this isn't, this is, 
this is fine. And a couple of years before that, we got offered, you know, like 80 million or something on a, on a whim. So I'm like, man, you know, I just, every time I wait a little bit longer, someone offers more money, but I'm like, <laughs> look, if we, if we just keep, if we go execute and do the things we know we can do, we can go hit a quarter billion in rev in valuation. Like that's not, that's not insane. For like, sure. It's just, it's the only thing in our way is ourselves. So long as we go put that together, I think it's a, I think it's a reality. Like, and I hope I'm not the schmo here five years from now, like bankrupt and you're like, someone's playing this video. Right. So, right, right, right. Yeah. well, I think if you continue to help people, uh, I think you have no problem getting to those goals, man, as you're doing, giving empowering people really to be able to, you know, work on their own equipment, save money, save time, which is most important to this transportation community. So, um, that's an amazing thing, man. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is, is helping, you know, we're talking about reactive diagnostics, and just taking care of people that broke down. There's a whole other side of this equation we haven't even talked about, predictive, which is predictive, right? Yep. So that's a whole nother conversation. But what that comes down to at the end of the day, the reason it, it kind of works today, what it really needs to work is it needs high quality data off the vehicles. And we, that's exactly what we do. So, so we work with some of those predictive companies and there, there'll be some announcements and things coming out in the future going along that line. But that, that is a reality too of, predictive people monitoring things call centers like you saw our call center they could just easily monitor you know trucks before they have problems so that's a whole nother future that's really really coming quick yeah for sure all right cool well i think we kind of uh covered covered most of it we we covered the story amazing story i think we talked about the, the business pretty solid right there's anything that we missed that we want to make sure that the audience knows. And I don't think we covered, we covered a lot. We covered a lot. We covered a lot. We do a lot over here. So that we makes, covered a lot. Yeah. And it, it, there is a lot to cover, yeah, yeah. right? That's what I'm trying to make sure I didn't miss yeah. anything. Um, but, you know, traditionally, as we close out, we always do two things. One, that's letting the audience know where they can connect with you, learn more about yourself, and then also diesel laptops. And then lastly, um, our final thought, which is just something entrepreneurial, spiritual, whatever you want to kind of leave the audience with as like a final parting words. Um, so first... Let everybody know where they connect with you, Tyler, and, you know, learn more about diesel. Laptops. Yeah. So, I mean, diesellaptops.com, best place to go, learn everything about us there. Uh, I'd say the other one is LinkedIn. I'm all over, I'm all over LinkedIn. Like since day one of my company, I've been posting stories about LinkedIn. So right. LinkedIn, Tyler Robertson, you can easily find me there. Yeah. And the other one, I guess more, more on the business side, more than anything else, right? It's, it's really, really tough scaling and growing a business. Like, if I didn't have 10 years of working for somebody else and my family doing this thing, like I, I have no, I, I know I would not have the skill set to go do the things I've, I've done. So finding the right people around you, growing a business, avoid debt when you can. It's not always avoidable. It's been a, I mean, I, I credit that still with why diesel laptops is growing that fast. Um, and then I guess the other piece of it too is like, you know, there, there's only so many hours in the day, right? And there's only so many parts of your life. You got a business life, a personal life, social life, a religious life, a health life, right? All these things, man, it is, it is impossible to balance all five, like be really good at one, maybe good at a second, but <laughs> if you split them up, you're going to be, you're going to be in trouble. You're never going to get where you want to get to. Right. You just got to come to terms with that at the end of the day. Mm, I like that. I like that. Hustle fam. This has been another amazing episode. Uh, Tyler, thank you so much for the tour. Uh, you know, just, really letting me get inside your business and, and get inside your head. And this is amazing what you've built, man. And, and I, I just look forward to continue watching and seeing you grow and how you continue to disrupt the industry. Um, I think we're out, man. Hustle fam, you know what we do around this time. If you smell something burning, it's only your desire. Myself, CEO, president. What do you call yourself? CEO, president. CEO. CEO, CEO. Tyler Robinson of Diesel Laptops. We are out. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle.